All right, welcome to episode two of Everything EOS. Once again, I'm Zach Gall, an ICO data analyst at ICO Alert, and I'm here today with Rob Finch, our founder and CEO. Thanks for joining us again on this weekly podcast where we talk about what we think is a really innovative project in the blockchain space. Now, before we get started, it's important that we mention that we are not being paid to make this podcast. We're not paid by Block One. We're not paid by anybody else. We're doing it because we love EOS and we're super excited about it. Uh, as a final note, um, this podcast should not be construed as financial, legal, tax, or professional advice of any kind. We're simply discussing our opinions about open source software and a product that we love. So again, do your own due diligence before you make any financial decisions, but this should not be construed as investment advice. On today's podcast, we will be discussing Block One's commitment of $1 billion in funding to EOS dApps through venture capital partners. We will be introducing who these partners are, where the funds are coming from, and why we think it is such a big deal. But first, let's start with some EOS news. So the second version of the EOS white paper was actually pushed to the EOS GitHub. It's where they store all their code uh, on March 18th. So there are a bunch of improvements since last summer, last uh, June or July, I believe, when the original white paper was published. Uh, some of the changes include improvements to the consensus algorithm, governance, inter-blockchain communication, and more. And it was interesting to see, reading through it, they also kind of streamlined the white paper itself. So it's a lot easier to understand, even if you don't have a technical background. So I encourage you guys to, to go check it I think out. The, the major change, the most notable change is um, in the voting mechanism. As part of the uh, blockchain platform, they have a all, all the token holders have a vote on, on changes to the platform. Um, and and who the block producers are going to be, which are the equivalent to miners on, on the EOS platform uh, and delegated proof of stake. Um, but before the voting was very long, you had to, if you wanted to vote for a block producer, you had to stake your tokens into the system and essentially lock them in and you couldn't pull them out for how long? Was for it? six Seven, months. Several months. So six months. And in the, in the new white paper, they, they shortened that to less than a week. Yeah. So, so that's a huge change because um, w with the way it was prior, it, it was a good idea, but it, it kind of prevented uh, your smaller retail investors from actually wanting to vote because they, they don't want to lock in a six-month commitment for their vote. Yeah, and one of the other significant changes, bringing it down from six months to three days also, is the fact that now instead of just staking your tokens for bandwidth or just staking them for voting, you can do both. So DAP developers, which we'll talk about a little today, um, can now also vote uh, in addition to staking um, for resources to actually run their DAP, and they are arguably the best equipped to make those voting decisions. So that, that's not to take away from the other changes. The inter-blockchain communication is huge, but that's a topic for another episode. Um, there were a few other big announcements. I think uh, the, the biggest one's coming on April 6th. There's actually somewhat two announcements because yeah. um, there's going to be a, an announced uh, EOS meetup in Hong Kong. Um, not, nothing's really been said what the topics of discussion are going to be, but there happens to be something else going on on April 6th, which is the Dawn 3.0 launch on the EOS testnet. You want to talk about that a little bit, Rob? Yeah, if you're not sure what Dawn 3.0 is, it's basically the third version of the actual EOS software. Um, so if you think about it, they've been building this software since, I think, early 2017, if not sooner, maybe 2016, before they announced any of the project. Um, but the third version of it is launching um, on the testnet by April 6th. And what's really significant about this third version is not just the improvements, but the fact that it's what's called a release candidate. So a release candidate in the software world is... Um, basically final software that will then be released to the public. So the code that they just finished is now done way ahead of schedule for the uh, June 1st blockchain launch, um, or excuse me, June 3rd blockchain launch, I believe it is, um, which is a really good sign. It means all the code's done. Now they can test it for a couple months, work out any little bugs that may be there, and make sure that this thing is ready to rock and roll when it's uh, pushed to the public. 
All right, so for those who don't understand what a testnet is, um, it, it's a step prior to a mainnet launch, which is the actual production launch that uh, the everyday user is going to use. Um, whenever the platform actually launches in June, it, it's going to be launched by 121 independent block producers who are essentially um, people with staked interest in the platform who are running a data center mm-hmm. and producing blocks for the blockchain. Yeah, and what's unique about it, instead of just setting up a miner like in the Bitcoin network and then having your own governance control there, you actually have to be voted in by the token holders to become a block producer. Um, so there's there's really a lot of governance control there that, that brings the control away from the miners or the block producers and back into the hands of the users, which is the way it should be. So if you can imagine when the production launch happens in June, it's going to be globally distributed servers and, and um, block producers all over the world. A lot of them have already announced their participation, and literally every major city on the globe is trying to take part in the EOS mainnet launch. But for the testnet, it's a it's a localized version that Block One is actually running. I, I believe they're using Amazon Cloud. Uh, yeah, I know Block One. I think has their own local testnet that they're using internally. But there are a lot of community testnets also where um, a couple different block producer candidates have basically set them up and are running multiple nodes just to to test the software and make sure that their hardware is is going to perform well when it comes to launch day. Yeah, because because the software is open source, anyone could download the code from GitHub and anyone could launch their own testnet right now. If you if you have the ability to run a server, you you could run your own testnet essentially. Um, but Dawn 3.0 is going to be the closest thing to a production version we've seen so far. And Dan Larimer, the CTO of Block.1 and EOS, uh, has us really excited about it. And with it being on the same day as their Hong Kong uh, meetup, um, we, we have a feeling that there's going to be some other major announcements made, but nothing's been confirmed. Yeah, and going back to that April 6th Hong Kong meetup, it's interesting. On the actual schedule for the meetup, it's similar to the one that they had in Korea uh, a couple months ago where they announced Mike Novogratz and Galaxy Digital putting up um, along with Block One, I think $325 million in funding for EOS dApps. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if we see that same sort of announcement. There is like a 20-minute block on that schedule that says special announcement. So it could just be, you know, hey, we just pushed the release candidate to the testnet, or it could be something more. So it'll be interesting to see what happens and what they actually announce. And for anyone who wasn't following the project back in January, whenever they had the last uh, big meetup that Rob just mentioned, um, they typically, uh, within a week of the meetup, they'll typically put out a um, YouTube video yeah. of all of the highlights. And at the last one, they actually live-streamed a, yeah, and they're a doing... small 20-minute portion of it also with the major announcements. Yeah, and I believe they're doing that again this time. So I'm going to be up at you know 3 in the morning watching that, <laughs> making sure that we catch the announcement. <laughs> we were actually on a company retreat uh, yeah. during the last meetup, and the, the whole ICO Alert team was up 3, 4 in the morning oh, watching yeah. it in, in some other time Asian time zone. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. Um, but that kind of uh, makes a good segue into this week's topic, which is the VC partners and, and yeah. why, why it's different from the other projects. Yeah, so what's so unique about EOS is that they've raised a ton of money. So obviously other ICOs, you know, they've raised 100, 200, you know, 50 million dollars, but with EOS they've actually raised now um, according to some calculations we did, more than two and a half billion dollars through that's their with ICO. With a B, everybody, with a B. A B. Two and a half billion dollars has been raised. And and that's across 281 23-hour periods. Um, every 23 hours, Block.1 uh, starts a new round of investment where people contribute their Ethereum and everyone pulls together their Ethereum and it goes towards 2 million tokens. Uh, pretty much after 23 hours, they take the total Ethereum committed to the ICO and they divide it by 200 and distribute it uh, to 
whoever committed their ether to the ICO. So what Zach is describing is basically this year-long ICO process. And the, the whole reason why it's a year-long, other than you know being a, a great way for, for them to raise money to then fund these EOS dApps, um, is to get the widest distribution possible. So if you think of a lot of other ICOs, generally when there's a very popular project like EOS, the ICO will last for you know 30 seconds or an hour, and it will sell out mostly to a few big whales who then kind of control the entire system. And with a system like EOS, where votes are governance control, you really need to make sure that there aren't a ton of whales who can come in and control the entire system. So so it's quite interesting. That, that's such a big number. 2.5, almost $2.6 billion. So there, there, there's a lot of skepticism with that number because why, why would a tech company need that much money to develop pretty much an alpha mm-hmm. software? Um, and the reason behind it is because of these venture capital partners. Yeah. So, so far, uh, EOS has a, a different division, or Block One has a different division called EOS VC or EOS Venture Capital. And what they've actually done is put up a billion dollars out of that two and a half billion and said, hey, we're going to dedicate this billion dollars to funding EOS dApps, EOS decentralized apps. So projects that are building on EOS that maybe would have launched an ICO, but now instead are getting funding directly from Block One and their VC partners. Um, and then they're airdropping their tokens or giving them away for free to those people that already own EOS tokens. So let's kind of discuss the traditional ICO model. So if a company wanted to launch, let's say, an Ethereum dApp on the Ethereum network and they wanted to launch an ICO, um, most of you guys are probably familiar with this, but typically the investor commits Ethereum in exchange for future tokens on um, whatever the dApp or platform is that they wanted to invest in. So it's a trade. They're trading Ethereum for a, a token that they perceive might have a, a future utility or an increase in value or whatever the reason is for investing in it, but it's a trade. Um, whereas with EOS, uh, they're kind of taking the, that, the money from their ICO and they're committing it back into the platform to make it even stronger. What they want to do is they want to create essentially a grant program. So anyone with a great idea that they think could be innovative, enterprise level, it's going to change the world, instead of going to a crowdfund model where they they need to do a bunch of marketing, get the word out, uh, convince people of why they should be investing money into it. Instead of doing that, uh, they're going to work directly with these venture capital companies who who already have their finger on the pulse of of the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, They already work with all the best companies. So instead of taking... uh, investment money from retail investors, what they're going to do is they're going to apply for, for these grants. So th- the first one was a company called Everapedia. Um, and we talked about them a little bit last week. Mm-hmm. They're founded uh, by the same people who created Wikipedia. Um, and they have a development team out, outside of that also. But they are, for example, they've been committed $30 million of funding from Galaxy Digital, who is one of EOS's um, VC partners we're going to discuss today. So they received $30 million that came from nobody. It, it, pretty much if you invested in the EOS ICO already, you, you somewhat invested in Everpedia, but what you really invested in is the success of the EOS platform. Yeah. And what's so, so innovative about this model is that just by holding an EOS token, you're going to get all these airdrops for free. So instead of having to go out and say, hey, I'm going to trade some EOS or some Ethereum for these Everpedia tokens, these IQ tokens, if you hold EOS, you're going to get the IQ sent to you totally free. They're not going to sell any of it. They're just going to give it away to the people that hold EOS. So you can imagine then when there's a billion dollars and depending on how much of you know um, 
each VC company is actually putting up their own money versus taking some of Block One's money, maybe even more than a billion dollars dedicated to these dApps, you can start to see just how many of these mm-hmm. things are going to be airdropped. So, so Brock Pierce, he, he was a former partner uh, with EOS, and now he's kind of committing himself towards growing the community. He kind of separated himself from Block.1. Uh, but he was one of the original strategic partners, and he's been quoted saying that there's going to be at least a thousand DApps that launch on the EOS blockchain this year alone. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see whether that comes to fruition or not. Um, I think it's definitely possible. I think it it largely depends on whether or not they get the multi-threaded version, which for those who aren't super tech-savvy, the the multi-threaded version basically allows this to scale even further than it will at launch in June. Um, But I think we should dive into some of these actual specific VC partnerships. So the first one that was launched um, was a fund called Tomorrow BC, which is led by Derek Rundell, who works um, with Eric Schmidt through through one of his VC funds. For those who Um, don't know, Eric Schmidt uh, in December stepped down as the CEO of Alphabet. And before that, he was the CEO of Google. So he's a a big name in the space. And Derek Rundell is, is one of those famous fund managers as well. Um, and they actually put up $50 million along with Block One to fund EOS dApps. And it's unclear with all of these what percentage of that, that $50 million, you know, comes from Tomorrow BC and what percentage of it comes from um, Block One. But Block One has said that they're going to leverage that billion dollars they're putting up um, to basically get more capital into the space. So I would imagine some percent of that is coming from the venture capital firm to also keep them incentivized not to lose their money, to make the right investments in these projects um, and make sure that they're investing in, in, in good teams with solid ideas. Um, so that, that was the first one. That, that was actually announced at the um, South Korea meetup that we discussed earlier uh, that happened in January. Um, and the second big VC announcement, which was the largest commitment of funds, I guess to backtrack a little bit, tomorrow BC was committed $50 million yeah. in development funds. But the biggest one announced to date was actually for a fund called Galaxy Digital. And it's run by a man by the name of Mike Novogratz. I'll let Rob speak about him in a little bit. But um, Block.1 actually committed $325 million to this fund. And Mike Novogratz is a really big name in the blockchain space. I'll, I'll let yeah. Rob tell you who he is. So Novogratz is somebody who was you know, pretty big on Wall Street, kind of your traditional um, financial guy, and is most famously known in the crypto space now for buying roughly a million Ether when they were a dollar. So shortly after the ICO, where you know Ether was sold for about 30 cents, he came in and bought a million of these things at a dollar and famously made half a billion to a billion dollars um, on that purchase. So seeing Novogratz on CNBC a few months after the EOS ICO started, name dropping EOS at the end of one of his sentences, I was <laughs> like, oh, wait a minute. He, he's definitely in on this in some capacity. And then a few months later, seeing him announce um, this VC fund alongside EOS VC made a ton of sense. So it's, it's very cool to see him, somebody who really called Ethereum and, and saw Ethereum as the innovative platform that it was that brought you know decentralized smart contracts to the space and a lot of other technology. He saw that ahead of time. Now he's somebody who's now looking at EOS and going, oh, wow, there's a ton of potential here uh, and enough potential for him to, to dedicate up to $325 million to this VC fund alongside Block One. So uh, super excited to see what they actually fund. But like Gall mentioned earlier, Everipedia is the first um, DAP that that they're funding, uh, about $30 million. So they still have $295 million left in that fund um, to dedicate to other EOS DAPs. The third VC and, and the most recent VC that was announced is, is a company called FinLab AG. And they were actually committed $100 million of development funds. Now, FinLab AG, they're a German company, and they're publicly traded, actually, and they're big investors and builders in the fintech sector in Europe. What's so interesting about FinLab AG, though, is that now you can kind of see um, EOS VC sort of spreading out their money across the globe, right? EOS is a truly global platform. We have you know people from all over the world. 
um, you know, Galaxy Digital, Mike Novogratz in the U.S., Tomorrow BC also in the U.S. So now to see them branch over to Europe is very exciting. And it kind of leads me to believe, um, or I guess personally speculate, that the uh, announcement that they make in Hong Kong on April 6th may actually be um, a Hong Kong-based or a Korean-based VC fund that's then going to target projects that are built out in the East versus out in the West. No, I, I guess a little bit about why we think this is a big deal. You think about the traditional ICOs, and there's a lot of scams out there. Yeah. You, you're expected as a retail investor to, to weed out all of these scams and try to determine which ones are good, which ones are bad, which ones might make it, which ones are going to dump. All of that stuff. And, and as a retail investor working on the internet, how are you supposed to find out all of that stuff? Now, with a VC fund, VC funds, are there's nothing new about them in the blockchain space. And there, there's some major ones, uh, just, just naming a few, Pantera Capital, Blockchain Capital, Polychain Capital, uh, Digital Currency Group. Those are all huge, huge VC funds who, who are already invested in all of the best projects. Zero X, Augur, Brave, Civic, Enigma, Oh My's Go, Ripple. They're invested in all of these companies already because they have the boots on the ground. They have the, the connections in the industry to know which projects are going to be the good ones. Um, and that's the advantage a VC fund has compared to a, a retail investor like, like m most of our listeners. Yeah, and you can imagine from you know the the token holder's perspective, rather than having to buy EOS and then you know say, hey, what percentage of my EOS do I want to dedicate to this ICO or this ICO, and kind of figure out you know where I want to put my EOS. Instead, all I have to do is hold my EOS, and all of these VCs are going to airdrop me tokens from all of these platforms for free. So it's it's pretty insane. Yeah. So you think of of yourself as a savvy ICO researcher, and you probably use sites like ours to figure out which ICOs you should invest in, which ones are good, which ones are bad. But with the EOS platform, it's actually going to take that model and flip it over on its head because you get all of the best ICO tokens just by holding EOS. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, to Gall's point, a lot of the VCs are already doing this in the space. So, you know, going to Pantera, who invested in all these companies, ZeroX, Brave, Oh Go, or looking at somebody like Digital Currency Group, who's big in the space, you may know them as DCG, invested in Zcash, Radar Relay. Um, Rootstock, Ledger, all these, all these different companies, some of which didn't even hold um, ICOs, but a lot of them that did. And the ones that held ICOs are pretty interesting because what those ICOs basically did was sell a huge portion of their tokens to these VCs at a deep, deep discount um, ahead of time. But then what you get with a situation like this, because people are then buying the tokens for, say, a 10x, 20x, 30x, in some cases, um, with the recent Dfinity scandal, buying them at a 200x premium oh in the God. ICO versus what they gave to their friends and family and the, the initial you know, VC investors. Um, what's happening then is that as soon as these things hit exchanges, when they actually launch an ICO, those tokens are getting dumped because they already mm -hmm. made their 100x or 200x profit. Why would they hold on to it? It's basic human nature that when you make that much money in a short period of time, you're going to cash that out. And then mm -hmm. it hurts the average user who invested in that ICO um, who, who kind of gets dumped on it and paid that premium for the token. So this adds incredible value to being a token holder because we, we, have, we haven't even uh, discussed with, with our audience yet about the value that the and utility that the token actually brings. Uh, once the EOS platform actually launches, the token is, is going to give you uh, decentralized storage and decentralized bandwidth. So you could essentially uh, launch a web app, launch a website, launch an equivalent of a web server on the EOS blockchain uh, just by staking your tokens in. And then if you don't want to uh, use those services anymore, you could take your tokens back at zero cost. Yeah, and I think we're probably going to go into to you know, more detail on sort of the different utilities of the EOS token in another episode and really do a deep dive there, talk more about the block producers, um, talk about some of the block producers that have announced. But 
Um, going back to a lot of these VCs, it's going to be very, very interesting to see where they allocate the rest of this billion dollars. So if you think right now, between Tomorrow BC with $50 million, Galaxy Digital $325 million, and FinLab AG in Europe with $100 million. By my calculations, that leaves over a half billion more dollars to be allocated to development. And if you're a developer and you're listening to this and you're thinking, I really wish I could develop on blockchain, how do I get involved in blockchain development? Yeah. The answer is probably going to be EOS. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can even beyond that, a lot of this money has been allocated to VCs, but only one project so far has been funded, and that's Everpedia. Um, the decentralized Wikipedia that Larry Sanger, the co-founder of Wikipedia, um, actually left his job at Wikipedia to come come help build. Um, so only 30 million out of that billion has been allocated. So there's still 970 million left that's going to go to other EOS dApps that are then going to airdrop their tokens for free to EOS token holders. So as you can imagine, with everything we lined out, uh, it, it looks very, very promising for EOS. We're obviously super biased. You know, We do hold EOS. That's our disclaimer. We hold these tokens. We're not giving investment advice. We're just kind of giving our opinion on this, this software and why we think it's so awesome. Um, but please do your own research, do your own due diligence before you make any financial decisions. Uh, next week, I think we're going to dive into a pretty interesting topic. Um, we'd like to, of course, cover what happens at the April 6th meetup. Um, we're now going to publish these episodes on Sundays, so stay tuned for that. And we may also be diving deep into one of these dApps that has already been announced. So there's been a handful of dApps that have already announced that are not getting VC funding that are just kind of building on their own, either going the traditional ICO route um, or building software that they're then going to airdrop for free without funding. Um, but we're going to do a deep dive at some point into Everpedia, talk about why we think it's so cool, uh, the problems that it solves with Wikipedia, uh, and more. So stay tuned for next week when we cover all of that um, and any other news that's happening in the EOS space. All right, so there's a, actually a website already out, um, eosindex.io. And on EOS Index, what they do is they just are pretty much a directory of all of the dApps that I've already announced, and they already have 62 EOS projects. So oh, wow. Yeah, 62. So there's, there, there's some of them are major projects that everyone's heard of, but then there's a lot of lesser known ones yeah. also. Um, and we're looking forward to talking to you guys about all of, all of the ones we're most excited about. And like Rob said, Everpedia is um, the one we're both most excited about. Rob's already uh, contributing to their, their crowdsourcing of their content. He's been... Uh, providing a lot of content for them for different gaming and blockchain industry stuff. But other personal interests of Rob, it's like you can contribute. It's a world encyclopedia, yeah. and we're really excited uh, to discuss that. So we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit next week. Um, but there's a lot of other projects too. So we look forward to discussing all of those with you guys. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Everything EOS, brought to you by ICO Alert. Once again, I'm Zach Gall. I'm Rob Finch. And this is Everything EOS. Thank you.